Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for listening today, and today we're joined by Felicidad de Martinez. Uh, Felicidad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm so glad that I get to be here with you guys. And Felicidad is here today to share her testimony with us. Uh, Felicidad, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. All right. Well, uh, I am from the country of Panama, and I grew up in a beautiful uh, country setting with anywhere between 80 to 100 degrees every day. Wow. I was never cold there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm the older and wiser of uh, two other siblings, a sister and a brother. And um, I had, actually, I lived here in the U.S. now for 22 years. So when you were growing up, was faith a part of your story? Well, yes, it was. Um, Mom and dad, um, we grew up as Catholics, Mm -hmm. and it was very important uh, for us to go to Mass. Mm -hmm. We didn't make it every Sunday to Mm -hmm. Mass uh, because of the distance and because of the travel issues that had to be arranged Mm -hmm. for all of that. But um, when we went to Mass as a family, it was always special. Mm. It was uh, Till today is my favorite thing to do when I go back home. Mm. Uh, I travel north uh, to the Caribbean, the Atlantic Sea, so I can visit that same church and wow. go to the beach in, at the same time. Because mm-hmm. it's right at, at the beach. It's called Portobello. Mm. It means like a uh, beautiful port. So, wow. that's, so it, it was part of, our, of us growing up, faith, going to Mass, mm-hmm. growing as a Catholic. What was your favorite part of Mass? There was a, in between Mass, kind of like what we do, like, we say hello to each mm-hmm. other. So in Mass, you sing, mm-hmm. and you clap, and everybody goes and say hello to everybody. I think that was my favorite thing of Mass, mm. saying, singing and saying hello to people. Mm. Yeah, you're still singing and saying hello to a lot of people, aren't yes. you? Yes. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you have such an outgoing uh, personality, Felicidad, so that doesn't surprise me at all. So... At what point did you make the decision for yourself or did you feel God personally in your life, not just going with your parents, that you felt God calling you to make that personal decision for yourself to follow him and obey him? Well, um, there was so many uh, times that I felt that, but as growing up as a teenager, I didn't recognize them. Now I look back and I'm like, whoa, God, you were there every time. And I, I couldn't see you and I couldn't hear you loud enough. So, yeah, growing up as a Catholic, I did all of the Catholic things that I was supposed to do. And I did them out of obedience uh, to my parents. And I also out of, you know, like uh, respect to um, the father of the church. But I remember when I was 15, it was more than just doing it. Because they were asking me, I kind of like remember beginning to enjoy mm. in uh, going to mass and enjoy uh, teaching the little children about their first communion and all of that. But um, when I was fifteen, also in high school, I had friends that went to other churches, mm. and I remember very clear. Um, one of my friends was very excited about this missionary that was coming from Illinois, and. <laughs> And it was coming to their house and their church, and it was like a youth group. And I have 
really didn't know how that worked. And I came to the youth group that evening and it was different. And so I can tell you that I, I made the decision, you know, of like, I want to know God, you know, deeper. And when I was 15, and then as I begin that to dig into it, I learned a lot of things that opened up my eyes mm-hmm. to, to now question Hmm. Dude, what I'm doing? I mean, it's a few things in the Catholic Church and a few things in the Church of my friends, and um, I was conflicted by mm. it. So I began that looking and seeking when I was 15. So you begin to seek. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? Well, through reading, I was learning and reading. I began to read the Bible like by myself. Mm. I, mean, I wasn't waiting. For the reflection during mass, I started to read, and one of the first uh, things that I like conflicted with my belief was that my friends told me that Mary had more children and that Jesus had more brothers and sisters. And when all of that started, they were started talking about it. That made me like really read and investigate, mm-hmm. and I was more like, I need to find these out because I was feeling that I was being deceived by other things Mm -hmm. so when it was one time that a church like only a block from my house is the assembly of god Mm -hmm. they were having a revival uh like they do like a revival camp meeting outside Mm -hmm. and all that and i remember taking my bike and i'm "I'm gonna go check this out and uh they were calling people to the altar Mm -hmm. it was a revival and I remember you standing there on my bike like on the outskirts of the camp meeting and hearing and then the preacher said something that was key to me. He said, if you love Jesus, you need to come now. And I remember, well, that he didn't, he didn't ask if you were Catholic. He didn't ask if you were Baptist. He didn't ask anything. So if you love Jesus, well, I do love Jesus. I have grown up going to Mass, and, he, and now I'm reading, I, I do love him. So I remember dropping my bike on the floor and walking to the altar and saying, well, here I am, I love Jesus. And from there, I'll never forget that experience, but uh, that was just what I call my first yes, Mm. officially, Mm -hmm. to him. Uh, That was a step. That was my first Mm. step. And then from there, I just continued to live as a Catholic Mm. until I later on, when I became mom, found myself, that's Mm. when I made Mm. the commitment. So Felicidad, that was a neat story about, you know, being at that camp meeting and like, well, I love Jesus and that's how Jesus is. He doesn't care what background we come from, you know, what denomination we come from. He loves us all and we can all love him. And then you also mentioned uh, that you had uh, lived in the U.S. the last 22 years and that you made the I guess, maybe firm commitment when you became a mother. So that leads me to ask, how did you end up in the U.S.? And would you like to share that story? Well, yes. Through marriage, my former spouse worked here in the U.S. and we met through uh, his work. And uh, when it was time for him to uh, move here, continue to work here, then uh, we were already married, and we had Brandon Lee, my first son. And uh, I remember then he had to come to U.S. and prepare all our housing and everything to, for us to move. So um, Brandon Lee's 
it's been over 23 years now since I became a mom. So that's how we moved here. So what did you do when you came to the U.S.? Oh, that's funny. So I got here May 21st, 1997. Okay. And when I arrived to my new home, there was a pile of laundry. So we grabbed the laundry and went to the laundromat. And while I was doing laundry, it was a Dunkin' Donuts right next to the laundromat. Nice. And it said, need help. So I asked uh, my former spouse, are they looking for like someone to work? And he's like, yeah, that's what it says, need help. Well, let me go ask. <laughs> so... I walk to the Dunkin' Donuts and I say, hey, I'm here to answer your sign, your ad. And the lady goes, where are you from? And I told her, I'm from Panama. And she started smiling and screaming, I'm from Panama too. <laughs> so I got a job. <laughs> the very first day I came to this country, my very first job was with Dunkin' Donuts. And um, not to make it long, but I learned all about the business and they were looking actually for a manager, assistant manager to a manager. So I ended up being wow. eventually the manager of that little store there and, and continued to school and continued to do what I was pursuing and ended up in uh, finance and uh, business administration and finance after a few years. So did you move back to what part of the States did you move back to? When I came from Panama, uh, I came straight here to Washington, D.C., okay. the metro area, yes. And then uh, I have stayed within the metro area mm -hmm. ever since. Mm -hmm. You know, always looking a little south or quieter. Mm -hmm. And eventually we decided just that the valley was uh, a good move mm -hmm. uh, through work because everything was because of work. Now, were you in those years? Did you come here by the church in D.C.? Was that or was that something that happened after you got to Harrisonburg? No, actually, um, when I moved here to the state, you know, I already had that conviction mm -hmm. of uh, Jesus in my heart. And being a mom continued to, like, you know, push me, compel me to, like, you know, I have to do this. And um, my former spouse, aunt, she attended the Church of God. Mm -hmm. And so I remember we traveled three hours to visit with her over the weekends so we could go mm -hmm. to the Church of wow. God there. Beautiful church. And uh, I consider her my spiritual mom mm. because she modeled the 5.30 a.m. get up with coffee and read the Bible. Mm. And, you know, even on Sundays when I used to ask her, say, well, what are you doing? What are we doing this? We, we have to go to church. <laughs> We're going to do this at church. And she's like, no, no, no. This is our time with mm. him by ourselves. So she kind of like was modeling the way that a Christian mom mm. needed to be. So, yeah, um, for a while we were doing that, but um, it was never like the whole family going to church. So my spouse didn't really mm -hmm. wanted to go to church mm -hmm. with me. So I ended up going back to the Catholic church here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and bringing my boys to mass. Mm -hmm. uh, until one morning, their dad said, you know, let's go to church. I found a church. And we went, we visited a Baptist church, mm -hmm. Southern Baptist church. And um, from there, um, we made some good friends, and we started bringing the babies to the church. And um, the opportunity came through my uh, job to pick a city to move. And I had a few cities to pick from, from Baltimore all the way to Richmond. And 
uh, I asked the boys, and they say we like the Apple City. It was Winchester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they wanted to go to the Apple City. And so, okay, well, let's go to Winchester. Uh, at the time, Winchester was not open yet. So through work, through my job, they decided just to move me to Harrison. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up here without a church because I already had made friends in the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And in my um, line of work, there was this lady that uh, I, I got I got here and my babies were, they were like not in school yet, but I was looking for a good school. And then she suggested, there is a Church of the Nazarene in Spring Creek that has a program that uh, maybe your boys can start. So I started that program for my boys. So they started going to school there. And the school suggested for me to come to this Church of the Nazarene here in Harrison, where that was a lot closer then traveling all the way mm-hmm. to Spring Creek. Mm-hmm. And that's how finally I got here in yes. 2002. How old were the boys when you got here? Uh, Orion was one. Uh, Brandon Lee was uh, five to six, and Christian was four to five. Mm-hmm. Yes, they yeah. were babies. So a month or so ago now, we actually had Orion's testimony on here. So now we have mom yeah. just to put the pieces together <laughs> for those listening. Yes. Um, yes. He studied here before all of us did. He came to Kids Harbor. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Kids Harbor. And then the story of Pastor Vic. You know, when I walk into this church for the very first time, there was a Carlos Madrid at the door. And he was the one like touring me through the church. And I dropped the kids with Pastor Vic. And that was it for my family. Every Sunday after that, the boys will get up by themselves, dress up mm-hmm. by themselves, and wake me up <laughs> to bring me to church. No, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pastor Vic had quite a pull, him and Merlin together. <laughs> um, definitely did on the life of my boys. Yes, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, I remember uh, second grade up through the end of elementary school being in uh children's church with Pastor Vic. And uh, even now that I work with the teens, I had a few of my sixth graders not too long ago mention about Pastor Vic and learning the Bible under him. So that's a neat story. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And they've really, they've grown up in our church because for the most part, they were young enough that they probably don't remember a whole lot else before coming here. I know especially that's what Orion said when we did his testimony. This has been their home. Yeah, he's literally grew up in the church, hasn't mm-hmm. he? <laughs> Hadn't heard him a bit. Well, you got here and you got involved pretty quickly. Tell us about that. Well, because as I said earlier, you know, it has been these roses in my life. And I have like hear his voice and ignore his voice and like feel this like hunger of him and then like got satisfied with something else. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I saw back in my life that had pulled me away from uh, actually living the life that God was calling me to, it was financial. Mm. It was money. It was work. It was make more money, have more things. Mm. It was uh, don't trust that someone else is going to provide. You know, you, you will be your own provider. And it's, you know, all those where... Um, because of the experiences within my marriage, and you know, I, I can't trust anyone. And, but when I got here and the boys got so involved, I started like realizing again the value of becoming 
uh, a Christian mom for them. Mm-hmm. And then when I say Christian mom, it's not just, oh, I believe in Jesus, so that makes me a Christian. But I, actually, you know, walking your talk and, you know, just being the mom that the boys needed. Uh, I did get involved. And I um, I remember coming to, like, first and second service because uh, when I say first and second service, is the English-speaking mm-hmm. services because I had to work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming early will allow me to still go to work. Knowing that uh, that I had the power to make those changes, I changed the whole schedule in the store that I used to work. <laughs> and I said, okay, people, we, no one is to be at work until 1 o'clock on Sundays. So we closed the store mm-hmm. until 1 o'clock on Sundays. So I could bring my boys to church. Mm-hmm. So that was, that's like 2002. It wasn't until 2005 that I remember... By now, I learned that it was a Hispanic uh, group that was meeting here and it was uh, having services and Bible studies. So no, it wasn't until like 2005 when Pastor Sam uh, was preaching in the bathroom, mm-hmm. in the small room back there. And he his sermon was about um, time, like it had to be good stewards of time. And, and I remember him just going through the room and then he pointed right in my face and he said, my day only has 24 hours and your day only has 24 hours. So I don't have more hours than you. We have the same amount of time. And then he said, I want you to go home and look at your shoes and reflect on each pair of shoes and ask yourself, where are those shoes taking me? So I went home and I did the exercise and started looking at my shoes and it was, I remember where I went with those shoes. I remember what I was doing with those shoes. I remember what I was doing with the mm-hmm. shoes. So I didn't have a pair of shoes that was walking the path of being a Christian mom mm-hmm. for my boys. So I call that, uh, that was September 25th, 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's what I can tell you when I'm like, for lack of words, but the right word would be consecration. That was mm-hmm. surrender. Surrender totally, completely. No, don't look back again. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to do that because I didn't want to. I was under the no, no, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But um, it was hard. But it was the best thing I did. Mm-hmm. I used to totally, hundred percent surrender everything to him with no mask. I was doing the, oh, I love Jesus and playing the Christian person, but I was not having a relationship with God. Well, thank you for sharing that, Felicidad. And so you mentioned that you got involved with the Hispanic worship service and the congregation and the things that they were doing about 2005 once you realized that that was a part of our church. And then you talked about um, surrendering completely your life to him after the exercise with his shoes and talking about uh, where are these shoes taking you? Now, you work at the church, so how did you uh, start working here at the church with Pastor Sam, helping out with uh, the Spanish ministries? Uh, well, when I that surrender time came along, I got more involved. I started calling Pastor Sam and emailing him and uh, asking him, is there anything you need help with? I can help, but my time was limited because I work all day. I, my days, um, I was the regional manager of a company, and then, so I had to travel a lot, and I had to do long days. So he did uh, allow me to help him with a few things, and there was sometimes 10, 11 o'clock late at night that I would come to the church just to help 
out because I couldn't do it during the day. So I got more involved into helping him until um, the um, Hispanic uh, group started to grow into become part of the church and it was a larger group. And at that point, I remember Pastor Sam asked me no once but twice but three times if I was willing to come along mm-hmm. side. But um, there was still doubt in my mind of like, if that was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I wanted to, but I didn't, I was afraid. And it was because of financially, I was still attached to uh, money, to a lifestyle, to uh, things. And so three times I said no. And no, it wasn't until um, 2007. I remember I was already packing my house because the original plan for me to come to the city was for us to stay here for a little while and then move to the Apple City. Mm. So the Apple City in Winchester had finally opened up uh, for us to move there and to open up a store there. And that was happening in the um, winter, spring of 2007. But Pastor Sam had come back from a retreat, from a pastoral retreat. And he called me on January 4 of 2007 and said, Felicidad, I would like to ask you and invite you again to be part of the staff. If this is something that you still considering or you would like to, we have prayed about it. We have prayed about you. And then we are ready to offer you a full-time position. And I told Pastor Sam, uh, let me pray about it. <laughs> and... Uh, it, it has gone through a lot of counseling, a lot of time spent with Pastor Sam. And my spouse and I talked, and he, I remember his words. He said, my former spouse said, I know what it is in your heart, and I know what you want to do. So don't worry about it. It will work out. Mm. And it did. And it did work out. So I say yes, uh, 2007, uh, January 4th, and I started here in the 17th of that month. So it's been 12 years. It's never been a year, a day, or an hour alike since I started here. <laughs> I understand that. So fast forward, you're now ordained, an yes. ordained minister in the Nazarene Church, Yes, ordained mm-hmm. pastor. I would like to just ask you what that's like, moving from Panama and working in a job that you're out, you know, working with the public, and now you're come to a church and... You ordained, uh, ordained minister. What is that like, that journey? What has that been like for you? Well, looking back from ever since I was a little kid, now I can see how God had really been involved in every single step. It's like um, maybe I was looking away for a while, but even when I was looking away, he was still working in my life. And... um through all the things that had happened, you know, I can tell you that um, if it wasn't because of trials in my life, I have not probably answered and surrendered to his call. Mm. And I can see now how God is an expert, uh, like doing demolition mm-hmm. <laughs> in people's life because he wants to rebuild something yes. that's better and, and greater. So I never, never dreamed in my life that I was going to be a ordained pastor, but um, through trials and to see how he had answered and cared for me and guarded me and provided for me in all of those years when, you know, when needs and situations happened, I had uh, 
helped me to keep trusting him. And I learned to like, when he calls, you better say yes. Mm. And when he calls, if you say yes, it's going to be better. It's mm. it's something that you cannot like uh, imagine how good it's going to be. So I'm enjoying being a Nazarene ordained pastor, not just a Nazarene ordained pastor, but to be a servant of his call mm-hmm. because now I can anticipate mm-hmm. with great excitement the things that he's going to call me out to do mm-hmm. or he's going to ask me to do or compel me to do because now, now I know by experience that uh, it's nothing greater than to live for him and to serve him. Ephesians 3 tells us that God has things planned for us that we've never thought of or imagined. And it's hard for us to imagine that because we can't, right? We've never thought of it. And so it is powerful uh, just to see what you've done. I was sitting here thinking about the bike, the first time that you laid down the bike and walked to the altar. That would be the first time that you laid something down and walked to the altar, right? Yeah. Got a little tougher each time probably yeah. to lay oh, the things yeah. down, right? Yes, yes. Um, One of my, um, that we have, we love the Bible, but if I can tell you that I live by a verse in the Bible, it's Romans 8.28. Mm. And Romans 8.28 says, God has not wasted any of my tears. That's mm. how I can interpret that mm-hmm. verse. But is and we know that in all things, God works for the good Mm-hmm. of those who love him, mm-hmm. who have been called yes. according to his purpose. So when there is something tough coming, that's like, yep, nothing else but good can come out of that situation. When we find ourselves in a war, we know that the victory is in Christ. Like mm-hmm. We are going to find ourselves in mm-hmm. hard places, but knowing that we don't have to fight, but that God fights for us, that our victory is in Him. Thank you for joining us today, Felicidad, on Front Porch Talks. Just anything else in closing that you would like to share that you haven't mentioned already? Well, yes. This past year was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was very scary. I was very scared. Mm -hmm. And I cried when people was not watching. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. And it was a very scary time. But um, through every single, every night, I will look for ways to bring myself back up. And me on my own trying to bring myself back up didn't work. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember then um, this couple months ago when I was going through the uh, process of removing these cancer, I went into the MRI machine. And I asked the nurse if she could play some Christian music for me. And as soon as I put the headphones on, the first words that I heard was, I am not done with you yet. Wow, that is awesome. So I remember, like, I took that phrase and I was like, that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. Even so that we're Christians and that we are walking with him, it's okay to be scared. Yeah, That doesn't mean that we don't have faith. Is that we rely more in him now. Mm-hmm. But when he said, I'm not done with you yet, it was what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy now to say that after the process and the um, medicines and everything I have to go through to remove this cancer, uh, the margins came out clear. I am free mm-hmm. and um, I'm just 
happy again that I can continue to tell people that there is hope yeah. for anyone, a believer or non-believer. Mm-hmm. He is always looking to love you in the middle of your darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean that it's going to be your way every time, but um, make sure that uh, we are listening and taking all those little details. Mm-hmm. God is trying to speak to us through so many ways, but because I was crying and I was reading, I was trying to study for, you know, about mm. this sickness. Uh, I wasn't hearing him telling me, I'm not done with you yet. And there are people out there today that needed to hear that, that wherever they're at, they needed to hear that. And just in closing, I want to share from Psalm 23, verse 4, a different translation from what we normally hear. Lord, even though your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Mm -hmm. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. Mm -hmm. So we will have fear, but he is the conqueror of that fear. Amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us today, Felicidad. It's been great to hear your testimony and what God's doing in your life. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Felicidad de Martinez's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.